Hello, I have the lovely Owen with me on publication day of his latest book. Hello, Owen, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I thought I was introducing you. You're after getting a, a, a degree, for God's sake. I thought I was here to introduce you and <laughs> ask you all these questions. Apparently, I'm no. infamous now. I, apparently, I need no introduction, so, <laughs> so I've heard. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Congratulations on your forensic degree. That was very well done. Great achievement to you. Yes, I'm Owen. I'm um, born and reared in Ireland in the Midlands. Um, I've travelled a lot over the years, but uh, I still have a home here and uh, one in Dublin. I work between Dublin and Roscommon. Um, in college, I studied computers. Um, and then I went into sales and marketing, and that's really what my job is, sales and marketing. But I've always been reading. Um, growing up, my house was full of books. My father was a reader, and uh, he, he loved um, true crime and westerns. And crime, really, but true crime and westerns was his thing. And um, I remember one of the first crime books I ever read was Agatha Christie's The Body in the Library. But my father's uncle was a teacher and he used to come into our house every evening and he was teaching me words um, like when I was three and four years of age. I wanted to be out on the farm. I came from a farmer background and he used to hold my hand and he'd be teaching me words. And he introduced me to Jane Austen and Mark Twain and Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, all that stuff very, very early. And... Um, any words that I wouldn't know, he'd, he'd get me to write it down. And he taught me very early different um, there, um, T-H-E-I-O, T-H-E-R-E, T-W-O, T-O, all those words and how to put them into the right context. So by the time I was nine or ten, I was reading adult novels. Um, and I was writing, he used to get me to write short stories as well. Uh, if there was words or sentences I didn't really understand, he'd ask me to put them into, make a story out of it. So between my father and my father's the house full of books and my father's uncle, uh, who was teaching me, I, I just, there was no way I could leave writing behind me. So from, the, from nine or ten, I was writing short stories and have always written short stories. Um, but as I got older then, I wanted to... I thought about writing novels, tried for a while, never really got involved in this, um, done some courses. Uh, I started writing a book in 2012, um, set in, in America, a crime novel about a serial killer. And I had my I had my title, Hiding in Plain Sight. I had my characters, uh, had my location in America between North and South Dakota. Um, and I wrote the novel, but it, it felt okay, but it didn't feel right because I didn't know enough about the area. So I transferred the whole thing to, um, to a fictitious place called Gainstown, G-A-I-N-S-T-O-W-N. In, in America, it was called Gainesville, and then I changed it to Gainstown. And it was set between Manchester and York, that, that area up there. So it became a bit clearer because I know that area a bit better. But it still wasn't right. And then on my third attempt, I, I brought the whole thing back to Ireland and set it in 
GA in the ESTOWN because there is already a GAI in ESTOWN in just about 40 miles from here where I live. So on my third or fourth attempt to write a novel, I actually got the setting right. I had the characters from day one and I knew them now intimately because I had, I had brought them from America to England to Ireland. Um, and now the setting was right. Set in January in the middle of a snowstorm, serial killer that everybody would never, nobody would ever think was actually a serial killer because he was a, he was um, a person who was well respected within the community. And there he was going about his nefarious deeds. And I only ever had intended to, I was writing short stories as well. I, I was with, um, I went on Cortis Brown's Citizen Picture novel for a while. Uh, I think that was eight or, eight or 10 weeks back in 2017, 16, 17. Uh, that's where I met Jane, Jane and uh, Diane Wilkinson, um, Jane Badcock. Bad Rock Love even. That woman. Um, yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> Eleanor, Eleanor Clapper. It's a small world how these people keep keep coming around. They just won't leave me alone, for God's sake. <laughs> Will you have a word with them and tell them to get away? Well, whatever you've got, you... I'm I'm hooked as well. So you're if you've just got another <laughs> one to the entourage, I'm afraid. It's, Sorry about that. <laughs> I'll tell you. It's, what it is is it's my accent. Nobody has a bloody clue what I'm talking about. So <laughs> they just have to. Get closer and closer. What, what is he saying? So, um, yeah, I wrote the, I kept writing short stories mm -hmm. and a few of them won. Um, I got, I got shortlisted for Bridport. I got shortlisted for a big one here in the stall in Ireland, a short story competition. And uh, I kept writing my novel as well. And in in 2018, I was I was dithering around on it to be honest with my first novel. I was I wasn't sure I was like changing words and I wasn't sure whether I wanted to self-publish or go down the traditional route. And I was sending out submissions and there was nothing happening. And it was just it was like a, a circle. But I, I spent about two years to be honest, just in that on that treadmill, wondering what should I do. Should I do this? Should I do that? Waiting for replies from agents and publishers and nothing really happened. And in 20, the end of 2018, I came across a thing on YouTube called pop-up submissions. Have you heard of pop-up submissions? Well, this is the best thing ever. And I have nothing to do with pop-up submissions. I'm not affiliated with it in any way. But basically, it's a... It's, uh, it's a literary agent called Peter Cox, the real literary agent. And you send in a submission of 700 words, you send in your blurb, you send in a bio about yourself, and every Sunday evening, he will read five or six of these out live. He will read your submission, read your, your blurb, and himself and some guest writers, authors, or other publishers will review it there and then for you, live, free of charge every Sunday and anybody that doesn't know about it should really go onto YouTube and look up pop-up submissions and go down to ones that's that's uh, four or five months old and just see how it works bloody brilliant brilliant but you would pay thousands for uh, you're, you're getting it free 
it's still compulsive viewing to me every Sunday. I watch it because I learn so much. But I put in my submission in 2018. It was read in 29, March 2019. It was read out. And I happened to, to win the, the five or six that was um, to certain marks. And it's, it's not complicated, but um, there's, there's, there's marks for, for content and story and dialogue and all that. And I won it on the day. And that really was the validation for me to say, this is good enough now. It can't get any better. Go and self-publish. So I gave myself until December 2019 to self-publish my first book. And I did. I published it in January 2020, just, just a month after my own deadline. But as I was writing the first book, I knew it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to get my full story into that book. So um, during 2019, I was writing the second book. Um, while I launched the first book, and then it was launched for two or three months in 2020, and COVID hit. So that really gave me time to um, concentrate on the second book and do as much as I could on social media with hiding in plain sight. And then in March or probably December 2020, um, Red Dog Press uh, saw my, my second book that I was bringing out, liked it, and said, yeah, we want to publish that for you. So then you wait because there is 20 or 25 or 30 other authors in line with their books to, to publish. So it's like planes on a runway. You, you line up, you slot in, and then you wait your turn to get published and take off, hopefully. And so the second, published, the second book has been published today. So that's the, that's the story. And there, will, there is a third one as well. Um, and the three of them are, 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 are totally seamless. The, the first book starts in January <clears throat> and it goes on for three or four weeks. The second book starts an hour after the first book finishes. So it's, it's not three months later or six months later. It's, it's virtually seamless. And the third book will be exactly the same. So when the three of them are done, it'll be, uh, it'll be just a, a piece of time with, with no space in between. This three, then are you totally done with it? Then, or are you thinking maybe to carry it on? You've got the whole rest of the day to write about. <laughs> at at this time, those three books, as far as I'm concerned, that's it. I don't have any other. At this mm -hmm. moment, I don't have any other ideas. I I'm really in awe of people who can, as we're talking about earlier, people who can write a couple of books a year, three or four books a year, who could change genres, who can go from, from crime to horror to something. I, I just I, I just bow in admiration to those people. I can't do that. So at the moment, unless something happens while I'm writing my third book that clicks in my head that says, oh, wow, there's, a, there's an idea. Um, at the moment, once the third book is done, I want to publish... Um, an anthology of short stories. I have another idea of a, just a humorous book in my head, but nothing got to do with, with the characters that I'm, I'm building here in this trilogy. Um, and that's basically, that could be it. That could be it. I, could, I might go into publishing then or helping other people how to do their own thing, become a publisher, become an agent or set up. I may do. I may do. Yeah, I think that's a 
unless somebody out there that's listening to us can tell me, hey, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. But at the moment, and I don't intend to write just for the sake of writing, it has to make sense to me. It has to work for me. Uh, I have to like it. If I don't like it, I don't think anybody else will like it. But um, we'll see whether people like the second book. We'll see. Yeah, it's on my uh, my teaming TBR. When I've read my block yeah. talk book for tomorrow, then it's on up on the list. I've got two that I need to read like really soon. So next yeah. few days, it's there. Yeah. Well, the way you read, I mean, you like you read like five books a night or something. It's something mad. You're unbelievable what you read. Uh, but yeah, today is only it's launched today, so there's there's no there's no major panic. Yeah, <laughs> I did want to read it before we spoke, but it just didn't happen. Especially as I seem to have got a cold and some descriptions. How oh. <laughs> to get time for everything? Yeah, the thought was there anyway. So you come back. That's important thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. When you were writing your books, who was your most fun character to write and which character gave you the most trouble? Um, probably the serial killer gave me the most trouble because I don't know. He's, he's the most interesting character to write. I like writing baddies. Baddies are, are, are far more interesting to write than good guys. So you can get deeper into the bad guy. The most fun character is a guy called Ferdia, Ferdia Hardyman, who's uh, he's six foot four, six foot five. He's forty-eight years of age. He he's the next he's a, he's a, he's a sales manager, next rugby player, uh, amateur boxer, complete extrovert, life and soul of the party. Will come in and dance you around the room and uh, tell jokes and no matter how serious things are, Fairview will find a way to to make a bit of fun out of us, which we do in Ireland. We're even at funerals and we make jokes and we, we try to find the humorous thing that we can, even in dire situations. So that's Ferdia and he's great to write because you can you can have fun with him. He has a sidekick uh, called Hugh, and Hugh Hugh Fallon is also very nice to write, but he's the complete opposite to he's he's twenty years as opposed to forty years. He is a complete introvert. He's a sales manager as well. In fact, Ferdia took him on as a on the in his role, but Hugh is uh, a thinker. Everything he's been college educated. He has to think things through. And then he makes a, a logical decision. So if the right way to do something is to go down there and turn and then turn again and go up that way, that's what Hugh will do. Whereas Ferdia would just go straight through and bulldoze through everything to get what he does. So I don't have any cops in my book. And I, that's deliberate. I want ordinary people literally doing ordinary things, getting into serious trouble. Um, and trying to find and figure their own way out. They have no guns, they have no experience dealing with bad people, um, they have no handcuffs, they have no knowledge of how the bad things work in a small village. So 
Hugh and Faradia is really like the bad cop, good cop, if it was a cop situation, except they're just two ordinary people working in a in a, a sales as a sales manager and his assistant. But Ferdy is great. And I have a narrator uh, called Emily who has narrated the first book. She's already uh, narrating the second book. And uh, she was at the launch the other night, a Saturday night here in Ballinus Slow, where we, we had a live launch, which is fantastic. Lovely to see people again and be able to talk to people face to face. I mean, it's just so good. There's nothing wrong with Zoom, but God, there's nothing like meeting people face to face and feeling books and signing books. It's fabulous. But uh, she also said her favorite character to read is Ferdia. So, yeah. Ferdia is Ferdia is the life and soul of the party. He does very well in the first book and then he runs into a lot of trouble in the second book. But Ferdia is a survivor. Do you hide any secret jokes or messages or Easter eggs in your books? <laughs> no. <laughs> Good question. No. No. What you see is absolutely what you get logically. I have I can't. I find it even quite hard to to have, you know, you read on books, you'll never see this twist coming. Or you will never see this. Well, usually I do, to be quite honest. In most thrillers I read, I do see the twist coming. Some of them I don't, but 95% of them I do. I find it hard to write twists. There is a twist in the first book. Um, Faraday makes a huge mistake, a huge mistake. He thinks that, that a person has kidnapped uh, his niece whereas actually the serial killer has killed her. But he thinks that somebody else, and he, he goes down that road, as I said, bulldozes his way down because he thinks he's right. And as a consequence, there is there's serious issues in book two because of what, because of his hot temper in book one. So that's a bit of a twist. But um, yeah, I know the start of the book, of book one when I wrote it, Hiding in Plain Sight, and I knew the end. I knew the start, I knew exactly the line I was going to write for book two, and I knew how it was going to end. I know how, well, I have written um, a bit of book three, it's about halfway there. I have the, the opening line done, but I know how it's going to end. The middle bit, the, the middle, it's only 80,000 words in the middle, I mean, it's nothing. That kind of goes as I go on. I have a friend, Noel Holton, who I'm sure you know. And Noelle can write, she'll sit down at night to write, and she can write whatever is in her head, whatever character is in her head. It doesn't have to be logical or sequential. Um, and then she'll slot it in, she'll slot that paragraph or passage or paragraph in, wherever it fits in the book. I can't do that. I have to start at nine o'clock on Monday morning. What happens between nine and 11? What happens between 11 and three? And that's just the way my brain works. So I write logically, there's, there's no hidden messages, there's no Easter eggs, you know, Easter bunnies, nothing like that. It's just, it's just a logical sequence that anybody can, can say, yeah, yeah, that can happen, yeah. That the one said, that's, that's too much of a coincidence. That's too much of a coincidence. Nothing like that. Straightforward. Jane Bedrock put uh, a link to Alice Cooper in all of her books. I love that. Either lyrics yep. or some titles or something, which I think is cool. Yep. I like those little things. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. 
that's why I like I like to ask sometimes because people give that sort of wry smile like <laughs> yes yeah um if you were to be picked up and transported as a character um into one of your own books which book would you choose I'd probably choose the second one um the other side of fear and again I would I would like to be, I'd like to have the confidence of, of Faradia. I'd just like to have, I'd just like to be not as boisterous as he is, but just total confidence in his own ability, no matter what he gets into. And he, he, he's, 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 uh, he's very, very close to being killed, very close in book two. But deep down, he has this resilience. He has this, this need to live and need to, to make things right, I'd love to be that character. I'd love to be able to do that. Because most of us are not Jack Reacher. Most of us, if we go into an alleyway at night and 10 people, 10 guys come around you, well, you would probably freeze or fall down with a heart attack. There's very few Jack Reachers that would say, right, lads, let's go and take them all on and win. So, yeah. Jack, to me, is um, a great character. Read all um, his books. Um, but sometimes I just feel that, yeah, there's actually too many guys there now. There's too many guys for him to beat. But that's, that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah, I like all of his books as well. He follows me on Twitter. I yeah. have a little girly squeal every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's... Uh, <laughs> And been a fan since uh, Echo Burning. Echo Burning, I think, was a third or fourth book. That's where I came on board. Um, and, but then I read Killing Floor and Die Trying and, and right up to the right up to the last one um, that he's written with his brother. Brilliant books, absolutely brilliant books. But it's 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 really a, a take on the the old western that my father used to read, John Wayne riding into town. Um, all the, the bad guys with the black hats, unshaven, smoking, sitting outside the saloon, rocking on chairs. And John Wayne comes in with his white hat and his, his, his pink shirt and, and fights them all, never gets a bit of dirt or scrub on him, never tears anything, and then rides off into the sunset. So that's Jack Reacher. That's what he does. He comes in, sorts the thing out and moves on. He's a white hat and he gets rid of all the black hats. And it's a brilliant concept, brilliant concept. And you learn a bit of history then because you're going into parts of America that the Rust Belt that you wouldn't normally know or normally see. So, yeah, I love it. Love Jack Reacher. Yeah, agreed. Um, what's the most interesting thing you found doing research for your books or the biggest research hole you've fallen down? The big, the, my biggest fall down was that I spent probably between 2017 and 2019 just dithering around. Um, and I didn't use that time wisely. I was messing with my manuscript and I'd done nothing with social media. I should, like, even if I was dithering with the manuscript, I should be, I should, I, I didn't even have a, a Facebook page or a Twitter page until Sometime late 2019, I decided, Jesus, I better do something on social media if I'm going to put out a book in 2020. Up to then, I had nothing. I had no interest really in social media. 
Um, probably a little bit egotistical, thinking, well, I'll put up my book and everybody will love us and it'll become a bestseller. And well, there you go. Was 2017, 2019, 2017, 2018, 2019. I would tell my younger self now, if you're going to write a book, before you even say once upon a time, get on social media, start building your contacts, start building your groups, telling them this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm planning. What do you think? Where do I go for formatting? What do I do for book covers? What do I proofreaders? Blah, blah, blah. And all of the thousand and one things that you have to do. Um, that was a huge mistake as far as I'm concerned. The best thing that ever happened to me was um, back in 2016. Again, egotistical. I'd written my book. I had done a few courses. I was very happy with the book. Um, a few a few people had read it and liked it or said they liked it. Um, but then in Dublin, I saw a course called um, the Second Draft. It was done. It was being done by the Irish Writers Centre, and um, the tutor was uh, a lady called Mia Gallagher, who's a famous Irish writer. So and it was a six week course, two one or two nights a week over six weeks. So I said, look at. I'll do the course. I don't need it because my work is perfect. But for Lucas, I'll do it just to get a bit of validation that everything is right and I can go ahead. So I put in the, yeah, I put in the book and, uh, yeah, it didn't take me along to tell me that, uh, no, it's not right yet. And then I had, a peer, I had my peers, it was 12 or 14 of us in the group, and they were spotting mistakes and spotting things that was wrong. So that was a huge eye-opener for me. And instead of getting a validation, I was told, you're about, you're about that far away, but you're, you're that far done, but you have that much to go, yes. I'm saying, right, okay. At that stage, you can say, sod this, I'm right, you're wrong, I'll self-publish, or you can take their advice on board and get it as right as you can, and that's what I did. So the best thing I ever did was was uh, going on that course. The worst thing I ever did was faffing about for two years and doing nothing on social media. Um, if you were to take one of your characters out for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask them? Ah, uh, good question. Um, I won't say, for, to be easy, say Ferdy again, because it's just going to be a laugh. It's going to be great fun. But um, there's, a, there's a girl in it called Sharona, and a lot of the book hinges around, a lot of the three books will hinge around Sharona. Sharona Waters is 22, 23, a feisty girl. She has a degree in arts. And in the first book, she finds out that there's, a, there's a, an art scam going on. And what she doesn't realise is that it's, it's a serial killer. It's his company that's involved in the arts scam. Not him himself, but people that works for him. So as she delves closer into the arts scam, she's getting closer and closer and closer to this art dealer. And um, suddenly she comes on his radar and he has to try and, and uh, kill her because she's in his way. So... Sharona to me is, 
she's great in that she's a per- I I kind of know Sharona in real life. I kind of know Ferdia in real life in ways, but I know Sharona in real life. I, I know a person who is very like that. Um, impulsive, wears her heart on her sleeve, but totally down to earth, totally logical, um, and will not accept no for an answer. And if there is a, a bird caught in a bit of wire or a hedgehog trying to cross the road, she'll stop her car and she'll let the hedgehog cross the road or she'll she'll tear herself on the wire to let the bird free. Uh, I like that. I like that about a person who, who wants nature and everybody to be happy and safe, but also kind of not mind putting herself into danger as well to make sure that everybody is okay. And that's Sharona. She wants to look after her friends. Uh, she wants to set up her own gallery, um, but she's very young and she has lots of time to do it. But because of what she has done in the first book uh, and helped to catch the serial killer, um, a radio station in Dublin has, or a television station, has given her an opportunity to become an investigative reporter for them. And she jumps at it because she thought, this is bloody great. And the first thing she wants to do is, is take on a loan shark, a guy who, who's, who has come from Dublin out into the country, given people who are on the, like destitute people loans at huge interest rates, and she wants to expose him. But no more than the serial killer, what she doesn't know is that this, this loan shark is now involved with a Ukrainian gang. He's only like a front for this Ukrainian gang. And there's a huge money laundering, people trafficking gig going on behind all this. And she doesn't know that. So now she finds herself like in deep doo-doo with no way out. And she has no cop friends. She, she has Ferdia, she has Hugh, she has a boyfriend, Ronan, who's a, he's another, but he's, he's, he's a, He's a programmer. He's a computer programmer. He knows, he knows nothing about fighting or guns or knives or drug trafficking or anything like that. So she has to work. They have to work with her and she has to work with them to, to um, find out how the hell they're going to beat this international drug gang, money laundering, people trafficking group from Ukraine. And I think what I think what people who have read the book and liked it is it's very logical and she's very logical and it could happen to it could happen to you, Donna. It could happen to anybody in any situation. Because it's, yeah, it could happen to anybody. I think that's what people like about it. Some books you read and you're saying, ah, that's a bit a bit too much coincidence there now for me. I don't sure that would happen with this book um, or with both books. Yeah, you could actually be involved. So, to me, uh, Sharona is a very interesting character. And it also brings me back to, like, 70s music with the neck and my Sharona and all of that. Oh, that is a tune. <laughs> that was a tune in its day. I, I have heard it for ages. Oh, my God. I've heard it, like, three times recently and just, yeah, it's awesome. I love that song so much. <laughs> Yeah, the the guy that wrote it, Doug 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 Ferrier, I think was his mm-hmm. name. Uh, he died a few years back, but he, he actually was going out with a girl called Sharona. Oh, 
he wrote the song for it. There was a real Sharona, uh, but it didn't work out with him. But um, yeah, there was a real Sharona, and he wrote the song for her. Lucky girl. <laughs> As Tin CC wrote a song for you. <laughs> Ten years before I was born, so. Must have yeah, been well, they knew you were on the way. See? <laughs> they knew you were on the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I just going to ask you? Oh, when you're editing, what's your most overused word or phrase? Oh, um, there, <laughs> then, and, to, yeah. It's amazing when you when you go in and copy and, and just put a word into the how many times it can come up on a page. It's just scary. But that's okay. That's absolutely fine. Uh, it could be two or three turns before you get it right. I know my weak points. I, I know my my areas where I totally overused words. I'm not big into big words or or I don't use words just for the sake of using them, but I know the smaller words like there and then that I have to, um, or and, I'm inclined to use and, instead of using a comma and moving on with a sentence, I could have three ands or four ands in a sentence. Um, so then you have to break them up and, and do whatever you have to do. But yeah, I know my limitations <laughs> and I have many of them. <laughs> Um, I think I, you've kind of already answered this, but have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Yeah, yeah. It's a great community and we should, we all, we do all help each other. Um, yeah, I've made a lot of friends and, and that grows every day. Um, and now that I'm with uh, Red Dog Press, I mean, they have 30, 35 authors in, in I liked Red Dog because I knew uh, Sharon Burden. I had read her first book. And I loved what they'd done, and her cover was amazing. And I, I just loved what Red Dog had done with, with, uh, with the cover. And I liked Sharon as well, and her book was just amazing. And that, pretty, that really was the reason why I put my submission into Red Dog. But apart from that, I didn't know anybody else in Red Dog Press. And now like I'm friends with Rob Parker and... Chris McDonald and there's just 30 or 35 people there. So the longer you're in this business, the more and more people you meet. Um, even getting involved with the group that you're in, um, the Jukebox Cafe, I've met Phil Price, Jim Audi. I've, I've met a ton of authors through that as well. And these are people, you, you're friends for life with them. Uh, we're on the same path. We're on the same journey. Just maybe they're going down a horror route, but I'm neck and neck on a crime route, but we're all on the same path and we should be all trying to help each other if we can. And they do, in fairness. They're all very, very good. But yeah, and every day it grows. Um, and I'm sure there'll be, there'll be people on here now that will make comments on this and hopefully we'll connect with a few more. And it doesn't happen overnight and you have to like their stuff and comment on their stuff back, but that's what we should be doing, helping each other. I interviewed Sharon quite early on, I think, um, and she was writing her second book. I don't think she finished it. Then I was lucky enough to meet her at Bloody Scotland last year, and I still use her as an example of chasing your dreams because she's achieved both of hers. 
which she told me when yeah. I interviewed her. So, yeah, and she is lovely. Yeah. I love her to bit. She's awesome. And her and Noelle are just trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sins of the Father was an amazing book. Um, I haven't... It's the second book. I don't think the second book is out yet, is it? Yeah, it was out at the end of last year, I think. Or early this it? year. Yeah. It's uh, also on my TBR, must, but... I must have it, but I haven't read it yet. But Sins <laughs> of the Father was... <laughs> Brilliant book, brilliant, brilliant book. Yeah, I will get round to reading it one day, maybe. <laughs> I've had it since I spoke to her, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do you get a lot of feedback from your readers? Mm. Not as much as I would like. I'd love to get more and more reviews. Reviews are what... Um, reviews and bloggers are what is the lifeblood of... Um, a writer. Reviews, I'd love to get more feedback from readers, but I'm as guilty as this as anybody. I read the book and I said, God, that was great. And then I put it back on my shelf. And I, I, I honestly find it hard enough to write reviews. So I don't expect other people to do the same for me. I do write reviews if I'm asked, but it's so easy to leave down the book and pick up another book and start reading. It takes a bit of effort to write a review. But as a writer, I know the importance of it. Because without a review, then it's not going to kick in the Amazon algorithm. And if that doesn't kick in after 60 or 70 reviews, then your book is not going to get uh, up onto their, if you read this book, you like this book scenario. So you're going to be left in the doldrums. Um, so reviews are, are, I'm hoping after the launch last weekend, and I'm hoping after the, the official launch this week um, on Twitter and Facebook, that more people will actually say, yeah, or if people comment, then somebody else will actually make a comment on us or say, God, I must read that book and make a comment. The thing about reviews, is it doesn't have to be, pages and pages and power that can be just a great book four stars fantastic book or i've read better but wasn't bad three stars it doesn't really matter and in fact the amazon algorithm doesn't want everybody saying five stars because it's saying <laughs> if everybody gives you five stars now there's a problem because everybody has a different opinion of a book so what you love somebody else is going to hit so 100 people or 200 people are not going to say five stars across the board. So it'll dock you for having too many five stars. But even just a small little thing like, yeah, great book, well-written, three stars, four stars, five, whatever stars you, you want to give it, that's enough. That really is enough. And it's so simple, but it means so much to, to a writer. And I know I'm going to have to, it's one of my, uh, it's one of the things I'm going to have to do more of make sure that whatever I read, I'm involved in a book club now for the last 17 or 18 months, and we, whatever books we, we, uh, we talk about, uh, we review them and we put up the reviews. So I think that's important. Um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Jesus, you don't, you don't, you ask other authors far nicer questions. These are hard questions, Donna. 
Um, you said you were prepared for me, so I was like, right, that's There's a guy. <laughs> I know, I lied, I lied. <laughs> there's a guy, there's a couple of guys. <laughs> I'd love to spend a day with Dean Rankin. I'd really love to spend a day with a guy in um, America called John Sanford. I've been following John Sanford for about 25 years now. Uh, he writes... He writes books with the word pray, P-R-E-Y in them. So you have rules of pray, shadow pray. Uh, every book has pray written in, in the title. And his character is a guy called Lucas Davenport. He's a cop. But back, back in the, I don't know, late 70s, maybe early 80s, the first book was called Rules of Pray. And Lucas Davenport was a, a young cop. And he, he was out to catch the serial killer. And over the years, Lucas Davenport has grown up with me. He's now, he's probably 50 now, 55. He's married. He has kids. Um, his wife, who's a surgeon, saved his life back in book six or seven, where um, some killer shot him in the throat and the, the surgeon was passing and saved his life. And then they started going out together and they got married. So I love that. I love that whole idea of growing up with the character. And they grow up with me. As opposed to Jack Reacher, who I also love. But Jack Reacher is exactly the same now as he was 25, 26 books ago. So that's, there are two brilliant characters, but that's the difference between Lucas Davenport and Jack Reacher. Lucas, you... He has got older, he has changed jobs, he's been sacked from the police force, he, he's big into politics, he's a, he's a multi-millionaire, he's made money from, from uh, computer programs, so he, he dresses in, in Gucci stuff going into the cop station, he drives a Porsche, he's, like, he's totally not the cop that you would expect, uh, has a great life, he's, he's not a down and out, divorced, alcoholic, only sees his kids every second weekend, that's not him. So I love that, Lucas. But the one, the one guy I would really love to meet, you probably don't know the name, but um, he's a guy called Andrew Vax. He's from New York, New York writer. <laughs> really dark, really dark noir, really dark noir. Um, in real life, Andrew Vax, V-A-C-H-S-S is his surname. But in real life, he's a barrister. He used to run, he was a director of a prison um, in Upper State, New York for years, and he had other jobs as well. But he's a barrister in real life. And he only deals with kids who have been abused. He is their saviour. So he's sending pedophiles and um, sex people that, that abuse kids, he's sending them to jail and saving the kids. That's his, that's his job. But his character in his books is a guy called Burke. That's all you know about him, Burke. And Burke works on the dark side of New York. And any child that has been kidnapped or any, anybody that comes to him to say there's a problem in, in, in that foster home, he will go in and he sort it out and he save the kids. That's Burke's name. That's his job. Now, he's a... 
to see him, to see his face, um, he has a patch over one eye. So he must have lost an eye at some stage in real life. This is Andrew Vax, not Burke. He's a weird looking guy, but would be so, so interesting. So he puts the bad guys to jail. Now, his wife in real life, Sheila, I think is her name, Sheila Vax, is a psychologist. She's a sex psychologist. And she works in the prison services to try and make those bad guys who her husband has put in to make them better. That's her job. So imagine the conversation that goes on at their dinner table. He's putting them into jail and she's doing her best to, to make them better and get them out. Just imagine being a fly on the wall. So I would love to meet Andrew Vax. Uh, I would really, really love and have just a conversation with him because he, he, he has been through so much and seen so much. His writing is dark. His, his day job as a barrister is dark. But man, he, he, must, be, he must be some character to meet. So yeah, between Andrew Vax, John Sanford and Ian Rankin, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'd love to meet Van McDermott as well. I may possibly have met Ian Rankin. I've seen Van McDermott. I can't say I've met her because she blanked me twice. But I've spoke to Ian Rankin. <laughs> He's lovely. Also follows me on Twitter. Oh, well, he doesn't follow me. Well, maybe he will after this now. Yeah, he just... You haven't got it or you haven't, Owen. Yep. Sorry to say. <laughs> I know. I, I don't. I don't. But put in a word for me and maybe... Okay. Maybe he might. <laughs> um, if you're able to travel to any period of time either forwards or backwards where would you go God I'm happy I'm happy where I am the 80s was a great time I love the 80s uh, I've, I've no interest in, in going back to the 17th century or the 18th century I think this is a great time to be alive like all that has happened in the last 20 years with technology 2000, 1997, 98, I was going around with a mobile phone, like a, like a cement block. Um, I was still, as a rep at the time, as a sales manager at the time, I was trying to find phone booths to phone in orders and stuff on street corners. Um, television here in the Midlands, I think about two or three stations, probably black and white. Um, computers, yeah, I had a computer. But it was like, it was half the size of my office. And there was a, a big thing here on the side. And oh, Jesus. So I'm very happy where we are growing up in the time of technology. Where, well, I mean, for hundreds of years, people were in horses and carts. And, and then suddenly, in the, in the space of 20 years, there was an explosion. It's been a brilliant time to be alive. And just look at books and publishing, what has happened with Amazon. Chances are without Amazon in the last 10 or 15 years, I would not be where I am today because publishers just wouldn't take you on. Whereas now you can self-publish and then get a publishing team because of what you've done through self-publishing. The opportunities have never been better, never been better for us. So, yeah, it's a great question, but I've, I've really, I love... I love watching back on history and seeing what has happened, Donna, and trying to learn from it. But I have no interest in going back to 
sword fighting and people cutting off heads and jewels at dawn and stuff like that. No interest. The 70s were tough. Um, the 80s was a great time. The 90s was brilliant. And then from 2000 onwards, whew, it's been a rush. It's just been a rush. I want to go back to the 80s, but as a, an older teenager, so I actually get to experience the 80s instead of being a baby. Yep. And I missed it. That's my dream. I'd love to, you know, for the music, yep. for nothing else but for the music, to see the bands in yep. their prime before they split up or before members died. That's my, that's what I'd love. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's <laughs> just probably one of the reasons why I, I'd love to go back and, and see Bon Scott before he, with the ACDC before he passed away. I'd love to have seen Rory Gallagher play live before he passed away. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Totally agree with you. Um, the what ifs, the what ifs. Yeah. As we were talking about before we came on. If only we could go back and see them again. Yeah. Well, I was I was born in '83, so I had no chance. I've missed like one of my favorite yep. bands is The Jam, and they split up before I was even born. So, yeah, yeah. Even if I went back to the eighties, I'd be pushing it. <laughs> although Paul Weller, Paul Weller is still going, isn't he? And um, Brian Foxton, Bruce Foxton, mm. even um, mm. uh, we're from The Jam, which we've seen many times, and it's awesome. I've seen Paul Weller as well. Yeah. Wicked. Loved it. Yeah. Great, great songwriter, great performer. Miserable sod. <laughs> Is he? No, he's not. He's fine. When we went to see Allegedly. Him, allegedly. Yeah. When we went to see him in London, he was smoking. He had a packet of uh, an ashtray and fags on the piano. <laughs> Luckily, it was an outdoor venue, but oh, honestly. Yeah, made my mum laugh. Yeah. Um, who was your first celebrity crush? Celebrity crush was Susie Quattro. Devil Gate Drive. And her with her leather jeans and bass guitar. Doesn't get any better than that. For <laughs> late, late 70s. Late 70s. Susie Quattro, I have her poster all over my walls. Nice. <laughs> um, what's the weirdest or funniest place you've ever woken up? Um, God, I'm not sure about that. And I know I, I woke up as... I think it was 91, I was in Donington at um, ACDC. And uh, I remember before they came out, the sun was, was setting. I was looking at the stage, the sun was setting. And in, in the distance, the sun was just going down. And in, all I could see in the distance was, was water bottles flying in the air. It was like, it was like a torrent of rain which was, it was people firing water bottles. And I got hit. The back, I got hit on the back of my head with a bottle or a shoe or something. I have no idea what it was. I was right up at the stage. And I was pulled out by um, a couple of security guys and brought over to the side. But I was gone. I was like, gone out. And I woke up. ACDC was on. 
they were on when when I woke up. Um, I could hear before I before I came to I could hear Brian Johnson's voice, and I'm saying, "What the fuck is going on here?" And so I came to, and uh, there was uh, St John's ambulance or somebody was around me, and uh, gave me a drink of water. Head was split. My head was split. So um, they wanted to take me away. To, I said, "No way. There's no way." So they bandaged me up and put me back into the mosh pit again. So yeah, that was probably the scariest. I just I had no idea where I was when I woke up. I hadn't a clue. But I wasn't missing the concert. I had got on a I'd driven from or I got somewhere from Dublin up to Dublin. I got a boat from Dublin to to Hollyhead. I got a bus from Hollyhead up to Donington, which was like an all night thing. I'd hit Donington around seven in the morning. And I was absolutely knackered. And ACDC came on at eight or nine that night. There was no way in the world, no way that I was going to miss it. Um, now, I've seen them many, many times since. But, um, yeah, that was probably the, the weirdest place. I don't really go camping. Uh, I've never really gone camping as a kid. Um, I like my hotel rooms. I like my, my comforts. So I never really woke up in a jungle or a... Or a a sandy beach or in a strange horse. No, I when I go to bed, I like to have my 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 comforts. But Donington was a bit scary. It was a great gig. <laughs> yeah, I should hope it was after that. <laughs> yeah, great gig. If I was to ask those nearest and dearest to you what your most annoying habits are, what would they say? My bad habits. That's that say he's he's absolutely perfect. There's, there's nothing wrong with the guy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, I'm, I'm, I've, my hearing is deteriorating over the years because of loud music. And there's times they're talking to me and I have no clue. I don't hear, or else I just hear, it's like being underwater. You hear a murmur, but you really don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, I have to get that fixed. And there's times that really annoys the hell out of people close to me. But I, I know what it is and I know what I have to do to get it sorted. Um, that's, I used to smoke a lot, um, but I gave them up years ago and that used to annoy people as well. Um, apart from that, I'm, I'm perfect on it. What can I say? Well, I'm shocked that you came up with two, so there we go. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, I'm such a creep, aren't I? It's not like I even want anything from you either. <laughs> <laughs> someday, when your book when your book is launched, someday I'll turn the tables and I'll interview you. God, by God, by God, <laughs> you are in deep, deep trouble. <laughs> I know, I know that already. I might just pretend I don't see the uh, requests, but no. It's gonna kill me. <laughs> <Absolutely rinse me. laughs> yeah. you, know, you, you won't ignore me. I will find you. I will find you. Please <laughs> listen, remember, it. I will find you. I don't doubt it. <laughs> I mean, pretty much every author that I speak to has my address anyway, so it wouldn't take much to find it. Yeah, I just have my address, yeah. it's fine. I'll just give my address out to everyone. <laughs> Well, you may be pleased to know I don't have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want us to want to tell us. No, if you're happy with that, I'm I'm happy. It's you been have great a talking copy to you. Of your book? Really. 
I would that have been a good idea? I might have. Hey, yeah. there we well, go. There you go. That's that is out today. Today is his first day. You're my first, my first, uh, my first interview, Donna. So you're privileged. I mean, what more can I do? You're privileged. I feel privileged as well. It's been an honour. Yeah, it's uh, printed and published by Red Dog Press. Um, yeah, I'm very proud of it. It's it's a. Uh, the reviews that are coming in so far are are just they've just blown me away. Just very very humbling. Um, so let's hope that continues. Um, but as I said, it's 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 a, it's easy to read it alone, but it's the second book of a trilogy. But you can read it alone. You don't have to read the first book first. Probably better if you did, but it's okay. Uh, you can read it alone. So at some stage, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about it, Donna. Yeah. Hopefully in the first five days of April. That's all I can offer you. That's that sounds good to me. And then I really where, appreciate your time. Uh, it's no problem. Sorry. It's been awesome. Um, where can everyone find out more about you if they would like to, and who wouldn't? Why would they want to find out more about me? Am I? Who? What kind of people would watch for God's sake? Well, apparently um, there are such me... weirdos out there. I'd... <laughs> you'll find me you'll find me easily easily on uh, facebook you'll find me on twitter uh you'll find me on onegan.com uh, my website uh, i'm easy got i'm very i'm very very easy to find and i see over the next couple of weeks with red dog press now um i should be all over the gaff should be all over the shop so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm easy to find. Come and say hello at any stage. Quite happy to talk to anybody, uh, especially about books and literature, anything to do with writing or reading or music or basically anything. I'm from Ireland, so I'll talk forever about anything. So, We've been going yeah, nearly yeah. two and a half hours now, so I can uh, definitely... I know, it's weird. It's brilliant. <laughs> it doesn't feel brilliant. like it either, does it? Yeah, no, absolutely not. We started at like... 10 to 4 or something, didn't we? It's now quarter past six. So, yeah, it's been fabulous. Fabulous afternoon. Really, really enjoyed your time, Donna. Thanks for taking the time. Um, you're a busy lady. You didn't have to spend all that time with me, but I really do appreciate it. Great chatting to you. Uh, and as I said, if there's something I can do, just give me a shout. And that goes for anybody. Anybody that's trying to, to get involved in, in um, wondering how do they self-publish or how do they traditional... I've done both now. I self-published and got a traditional deal. So if there's anybody that needs help out there, wants to know how do I how do I go about doing self-publishing, what do I do first, or how do I go about traditional publishing, just send me a direct message or send it through Donna and she'll send it through me. Whichever, whatever suits you. If I can help anybody, then that's what I'm here for. Happy to help anytime. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks a million, Donna. God bless everybody. Take care.